The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2017 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. Well, my name is Mike Pauley. I'm with uh, Campus Outreach Minneapolis region. Um, and, and what my role is, is I'm mobilization director. And so basically what that means is I'm working mainly with seniors, a little bit with juniors, and, and thinking as a ministry, as Campus Outreach, how do, we, how do we prep people for graduating? How do we expose them to... So what it looks like to be in the workforce, uh, do missions, go into your career um, or your field and what you want to go into, and, and how do we as a ministry kind of think more about that um, and not just be have a, a great four years and or five years or six years in college and then and kind of good luck from there, but um, we really want the things that we teach you guys here and the things that you learn and God's um, instilling in you to, to last and to to transfer rightly to where you're going to be in the next stage of life. And so that's just kind of a brief summary of what I um, do. Mike Caponegro does that for COCI as well. And so he's kind of, we're both kind of stepping into this role and, and newer to it. And so kind of just wanted to mention that so you guys know what we're doing. And if you are juniors or seniors from that region or for our region, feel free to reach out to us. And we really want to help you guys think uh, for that transition and think for and what God might be calling you to um, in the next stage of next stage of life. Um, so one thing I want to ask quick, um, just so I got kind of a way of context. And so how many of you are, we'll just throw staff in there as well. So a senior or staff that are kind of in here right now. Okay. Junior, sophomore, freshman. Okay. Gotcha. So we got a decent mix. Okay, sweet. Um, then one other thing I wanted to highlight quick before I forget is they were mentioned from front, um, but we've got a couple uh, missions agencies attached here. So we got Andy in the back who's with with Campus Outreach, lead opportunities. So it's what does it look like to go overseas for two years um, in a college context type role with our ministry, just overseas and do an internship there and see if God would call you to that long term or just to kind of a two-year thing. Um, and then we got uh, Justin back here with GoCorp that does similar two-year programs, um, but beyond college ministry in a lot of different fields and a lot of different majors. And so that's part of our job too, is really wanting to help you guys that are interested in missions and other opportunities like that to get exposed uh, to people. And they mentioned up front, but there will be a luncheon on uh, Sunday afternoon. So there's going to be free food for you guys if you attend that. Um, and you'll just hear from uh, them as well as EliC really briefly and just have an opportunity to kind of break out and just ask more questions. So I love you guys just consider that and don't feel like you're starting to commit into something that you're not ready for just by going, but it's really to just learn about more what's going on there. Would it fit with something that God's maybe calling you to or, or fit with your major um, or your gifts in ways that you uh, didn't expect or God might change you in? And so I encourage you guys just to check those out and be exposed to kind of more and more opportunities. So um, that's all I have a quick intro. Um, but uh, the reason I kind of asked where your grades is, are in school is uh, the idea of this talk is kind of geared towards what does it look like um, primarily working kind of just in, uh, in the city uh, or in America or in your career and in your field? And so that's kind of the primary focus I'm talking about. But um, I think it really is applicable in some ways to just what does it look like to live in uh, a public school dorm and do evangelism with people that are really different around you or, or in your fraternity or on a sports team or wherever you're connected in um, and some of these things, how do they apply to, to missions and overseas? Um, just talking about how do we be, be wise in the world. And if, um, if as Christians we just waited for every country to say, yep, 
Christians, come here. Bring Bibles. Bring your message. Um, the gospel really wouldn't go anywhere. The world's hostile to um, truth going forward and, and Christianity being spread and, and Jesus being shared. And so, so I think it really is an important topic that kind of touches into all those things, even though primarily going to kind of be speaking out of examples of what it looks like to just kind of work in your career and navigate some of these things. And so kind of my goals coming in is just for you guys to um, be light in the world that is able to, to stay in the world. Um, and so kind of what I mean by that is not like go to outer space, um, but be engaged in the world and learn to function shrewdly there so that if our culture continues to drift this way, that Christians don't just get kicked out of everything. Um, and there's a degree that we should say, the world is not my home. Um, I'm secure in Christ, and so I don't care if you kick us out of everything. But there's another sense that if we're not there to be a light, um, then they can't know Christ, and they're removing their own witness. And so I think that's another reason why learning what it means to be shrewd and wrestling through what that means in Scripture is important because I don't want us to be removed out of the world. Um, and not just for selfish reasons, but that you'd be able to be in the world and stay in the world and be a light. Um, and so, uh, so I think that's really important. And it's just going to affect relationships. Uh, maybe some of these tensions of what you believe and uh, what your family believes, uh, you're, you're in those uh, conversations and you're, you're in that tension or with, or with friends or with coworkers and maybe a boss down the road. And so I think these things are just going to, we're going to be bumping into them. And um, I want us to think a, a little about it. So um, that's kind of how this idea kind of, came about and why I'm excited to just share a little bit here. And so kind of the goal is to give you guys a little bit of a, a biblical framework of what I'm talking about, and then hopefully just walk through um, a few examples of um, how might we apply these things or how, how do we think about um, these ideas. And so kind of the main question I guess uh, I'm asking in this talk is, uh, what exactly does this verse mean? And so that's kind of the primary drive uh, of today is Matthew 10, 16. That's blurry. I don't know if it's a lens or not, but hopefully you can, most of you can see it. So, um, Jesus said, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Um, so what does wise as serpents mean? What does innocent as doves mean? How do we live kind of in this tension that seems to be, um, be presented here? Um, the interesting thing is I think the reference to this verse is actually... Um, tying us back to in our mind is actually Genesis 3. Um, and so, so where is a serpent called wise? Or where is a serpent called crafty? Um, and in Genesis 3. So this is the account we get uh, 3, 1 through 5. So it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He had said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of, the tree, of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to him, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to her, You shall surely not die, for God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Um, and so you see some half-truths. You see some um, crafty mix, mixed in here. And it's just interesting to me to say that that's being shown as an example to us to a degree. Uh, it's being cr- contrasted pretty significantly, because Satan is the, the father of lies, um, Yet, uh, there's, there's shrewdness here, uh, but we're called to be shrewd and innocent. Um, and so, when we think of the idea of, of shrewdness, uh, it's 
um, interpreted in kind of different ways in your Bible. Sometimes it shows up as just wise. Sometimes it shows up as prudent. Sometimes it shows up as shrewd. Uh, there's examples where it's used negative senses and positive senses. Uh, so it's not a word that automatically goes a direction where it's like shrewd's bad um, or shrewd's always good. Um, clearly here, the craftiness here was, was wicked and was leaning them towards evil. Um, yet uh, it, it's interesting that it seems like that's where the comparison comes from. Um, so it would be easy to say, oh, well, just general wisdom. That's what shrewdness means. That would be easy. That wouldn't be complicated. It says, oh, I just try and do um, things that are smart. But uh, the Bible's depiction of shrewdness goes a little farther than that, and at times it feels gray. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to kind of explain why I don't think it is gray. Uh, so, so the question would be, in, in the Bible, at times, deception is involved in, in shrewdness or in prudence or in wisdom. Um, and so if, you, so if you're thinking or following that through, um, you know, this commandment says, uh, or at least we quote it as saying, you shall not lie. Um, yet, uh, there's examples in the Bible that, that deception or, or lying is happening and it's, it's not rebuked and at times it's even commended um, in the Bible. So how do we, um, what do we think about that? How do we walk through that? Um, is there such thing as righteous deception um, or white lies? Um, is that a, a good thing or is that a thing that's just a reality and we're kind of okay with it but we just let it slide um, and I, th- I think as we walk through what the Bible actually says, some of that will become a little more clear for us. Um, so I'm going to go just to the uh, Ten Commandments here at the beginning. So this is where we say, thou shalt not lie, right? Um, so if we actually read it, in the narrow sense, it says, you shall not bear witness against your neighbor. So the narrow context here is saying, uh, it's kind of a, a judicial command, it's saying, you shall not bear witness against your neighbor. So you shall not lie in a way that harms your neighbor. And so that's the absolute narrow sense of this command. Now, commands can apply to a lot of different scenarios, and that's rightly so. We even see that in Jesus as he talks. And so it says, you've heard that it says you shall not murder. It says, but I, if you look at your brother with anger in your heart, you've committed. So Jesus takes a command that's narrow, you could say black and white, and he says this is the fullness of that command, that anger fits into that. You shall not do anger because you're breaking thou shalt not murder. Um, and so Jesus helps us see that there's, there's narrow focus of these things. Why do we know that abortion is wrong? Because it attaches and implies here that saying, you're killing of innocent life. That's murder. Um, that's a difference than defense. It's not just saying kill, but murder. So there's, there's differences here we need to read uh, specifically in. Um, now, it, it's right that in many times lying is attached to this. Because um, again, Satan is the father of lies. And many, many examples in the Bible, lies are done to, or in our own lives, that's probably where we should just look, are done to protect ourselves or to harm others. Um, and that's, that's clearly wrong. Um, and that's not, um, and that fits into here saying, I'm a false witness. I'm lying against my neighbor or lying to say something not true about myself. Um, but the, the narrow context there is, is different than just saying what it says is thou shalt not lie. Um, the reason we got to wrestle through that is because we get biblical examples of it. Um, and so the kind of clearest one, I'm um, oh, sorry, this scripture first. Um, but one of the ways that we know it's a perspective is, um, you mentioned this verse earlier, but Matthew 22, 36 through 40 says, Teacher, a guy talking to Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and prophets. And if you actually look at the Ten Commandments, they fit into these categories. Um, there's commandments that explain what does it mean to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. It means have no idols before me. And you look at what does it mean to love your neighbor as myself. Um, don't covet. Um, don't lie. Don't murder. Those are commands that are fleshing out and giving examples of this statement that Jesus says. This, this fulfills all the law and prophets. Um, that's, the, that's the summary of the law. And so even there, the example of bear false witness against your neighbor is an example of that's not loving your neighbor um, as yourself. So um, to get to an example that makes us wrestle through this of, of um, lying, good, bad, how do we handle that is, is Rahab. Um, so here's the, I know that's real tiny for you guys, um, but so in Joshua 2, uh, here, here's the story of Rahab. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, View the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the kings of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. Um, and so this is a story we get from the Old Testament. Here's the commentary we get in two parts of the New Testament. So Hebrews 11.31 says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Um, so she'd received them, not rejected them. You could say, well, is that, um, is that exactly commending everything that she did or just part of what she did? Um, but I think when you get to James, it, um, it gets kind of all the more clear. James 2, 24 through 25, I think specifically highlights uh, the deception. So it says, you see in James here that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Um, so she's justified by the receiving and sending them out in another way. And so, so this, saying she's justified by that, it was a righteous action, pulls on that tension to say, um, well, that seems like a lie. Um, and so how do we wrestle through that? Is it a a lesser of two evils. So, so lying's wrong and giving up innocent people is wrong, but at least I'll take the least. Um, but I don't think God puts us in ethical dilemmas there. I think it's amazing wisdom that ha- God gives that he says that's, that, that's not wrong to deceive in that situation. Um, and so I think that's a, a clear biblical example that creates this tension, but I think we, we see it in other ways. And so kind of the classic example is um, uh, Jews being hidden. Um, from the Nazis. Now, should you come to someone comes to your door and say, "Hey, are you hiding Nazis here?" Um, what do you say? Um, and if you were to give them up, I, I, I'm not in that scenario, and so I wouldn't say necessarily that was a wicked thing to do or that was a foolish thing to do. Um, but if that was primarily motivated on "Thou shalt not lie," um, I think you're missing it because that's not what the commandment says. Um, I think I can't in that scenario say, "Oh, that was." 
like I said, a, a dumb thing to do. But I think the, the Bible would give an ethic that says, but you can deceive them. Um, we, we see it really all the time if we think about it. Um, no one complains that the army has camel. Um, what are you doing? You're deceiving. Um, you're hiding. You're, you're presenting one thing. No one complains when, now it's a game, but football teams have strategy. There's deception in there. There's fakes. Um, and so that's, you know, that's just a game. Uh, when you leave your house, we leave lights on at times in our house when we're gone. We're, we're deceiving to a degree. We're saying, hey, it looks like someone's here, but someone's not here. Um, and so deceiving sounds like an intense word, um, but there's examples of, of little white lies, you could say, all the time. Um, and, and wrestling through, are those, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And I think in the Jews hiding, it would be perfectly acceptable to, to, to lie and deceive and said no. Or they came and they went the other way, just as Rahab did and was, was righteous for it. Um, because there's a, there's a principle behind there. Um, and so I'll, I'll get to, I think, the principles that that uh, fleshes out here a little bit. Um, so... Uh, what else do we see of examples like this in Scripture? So here would be kind of the two the principles I see in the Bible. that Some of them we could say are descriptive, and then some of them are prescriptive for us to do. But the two main times that I see deception showing up in the Bible, and there's probably 15-plus times, depending on which ones uh, you think are good or bad or how you judge it. Um, but uh, a lot of them involve the protection, like clear protection of innocent life against evil. Um, and so... It's the, it's the mothers with Moses that, that hit him um, and Jesus that flee um, when, when he was a baby from them being killed. And so there's, there's times that there's lying and deception to clearly protect innocent life. Um, other examples are when there's a clear disobedience um, from God or one of God's promises. And so this may be one where people would take it uh, different ways, but uh, the story of Esau, um, when he pretended to be his brother and so got the birthright. Um, before that, in the context, it says uh, Esau was a, a quiet person. But the actual word for that, every other time it's translated in the Bible, was, was righteous, pure. Um, and so, so you look at that, and there's a description. You may say, well, it, it was a bad deception, but he's trying to do good. Um, or you'd say it was a, it was a good deception because God had promised that birthright, and his dad foolishly was going to give it away to the son that it wasn't promised for. Um, that son that had already given away, already given away the birthright and was now going to um, get the blessing, sorry, I misspoke there, um, who, who, who doesn't care for these things, treats them lightly, and God had promised it that it would come this way. And so, so that could be an example, not everyone would agree, that he said, this was a thing God promised, a thing that's being treated lightly by those around me, um, and so I'm going to step in and do potentially a righteous deception to fulfill what God had called um, to do because my father is, is foolishly going against what God had promised. Um, so that, that could be an example. Not People wouldn't universally agree um, in that situ- situation there. And so, so we see it in clear protection of innocent life um, or, you know, if you accept that one, clear transgression of God's um, promises. Um, and so hearing all that, then how are we innocent as doves. Um, so how, do, how does that tension go? It seems, it can seem kind of slippery. It can seem uh, self-protective or not, not above reproach and say, why, why, would you, why would you lie to me? Why would you um, deceive in this scenario? Um, and, and so I think you've got to be clear when 
this is happening. So like I said before, uh, deception, it can't bring harm to your neighbors to protect innocent life. Um, and so when there's com- someone coming that says, if you're hiding a Jew, I'm going to kill him, that person's your enemy. Um, and the person that's your neighbor that you're to love and not bear false witness against is the, the innocent person there. Um, and so knowing who your neighbor is and not just, I'm lying because I'm scared or I'm deceiving because I'm scared, but saying, is there innocent life that is what I'm, that God's calling me to protect that I'm deceiving from a clear enemy? Not just anytime I feel squirmy. Um, and so most of these examples to that level are, are kind of extreme and you might not be in those scenarios. Um, but I think that's the, the ethic God would be calling there to. We're called to protect innocent life, to do justice um, in, in the face of evil at times if those, those conditions um, exist there. Uh, two, I think in this, the burden of legis- legitimacy falls on us. Um, and so, so I think it's got to be clear and not just I, I felt uncomfortable and so I, I lied um, or I, I bore witness to something else. But to say there's like a clear present threat here um, that I can communicate and understand it would be acknowledged and, um, and I'm, I'm protecting the innocence that is there. Um, and so, so I, think it, I think it has to be clear, not just whenever we feel um, fear or uncomfortable, um, because that would be breaking God's command in, in other ways. Um, and then last, this can be a weird one, but uh, I think another way that I think we're innocent as doves or, or striking to hold that tension is uh, I think the deception is actually loving to the enemy. Um, and so... What I mean by that is uh, you're preventing them from doing something that would be against God and would be evil in their life. So, so if they're trying to kill an innocent person and your deception prevents that, um, I think you're loving them and caring for the enemy, actually, uh, in that moment by saying, I'm not going to allow you to do something so damaging, do something so um, detrimental. And again, this is kind of an extreme example, so it might feel like this is, is pretty far um, for your life from your life right now, but I'm trying to establish a framework and then see how do we, how do we kind of think through that. Um, so I think in that, that moment, if you're resisting the evil that they want to do, you're protecting the innocent and, in a way, protecting them and, t- and testifying to what's true and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek to do justice. I'm going to protect um, the innocent. I'm not going to let you just go kill these Jews. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect them and prevent you from doing something that uh, hopefully down the road you'll, you'll regret and you'll, you'll repent of. Um, in that specific scenario. And then the last really clear one is um, we can't deny God or our faith um, in this. We can't just deceive a degree of protecting and say, I, I, I don't worship that God. Or, or Daniel, when he was called to prevent praying, stop praying, he said, no, I'm not, I'm drawing the line there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, I will not, I will not bow. Um, they could have said, I'm going to bow, but I don't believe it in my heart. Um, but God says we're witnesses. Holistically, we're witnesses. And so they said, I, I can't at that point. I can't deceive and pretend to worship but not. Um, I need to stand there and say, if, if it means the fiery furnace, it means the fiery furnace. Um, and so they, there's clear lines that we say we, we, we can't deny um, our faith in these things as we wrestle through uh, uh, these situations and try and navigate through them with, with prudence and wisdom and purity and innocence. Um, and so, uh, what are some examples that might be a little bit more around today? Um, and I think, honestly, most of the tensions that we're going to run into right now are going to involve gender identity 
and sexual identity. Um, and that's just the place right now where uh, we're, we're being attacked. And there may be other ones, but that's the one that, that's the, the banner and the idol that society's waving that says, submit to it. Uh, you must submit to this. We don't even care if you believe it, but we're going to make you bow to it. Um, and so uh, I think that's where a lot of the examples will just come from. Um, but one that was just a real life talking with someone. So uh, this person was a, a f- photographer. Um, and so they're just walking through the scenario. Um, what if a, a same-sex couple, gay couple, comes up to me and says, will you, will you shoot our wedding? Um, what do I do? What's, what's a, appropriate for me to do? Um, is there... Is there a way that I can be shrewd in that moment? Is, is deception or lying in this moment? Is that, is that something I may be allowed to do? How do, how do I navigate through that? Um, and I think there's a couple ways that you could respond. Um, I think it would fit into a scenario that would say, there's probably ways that you can, you can shrewdly or prudently navigate through this knowing the, the cultural air that we are in. Um, so, so one would just be kind of the um, straightforward Approach and just say, I'm sorry, I can't, um, I can't shoot your wedding. I'd be going against my conscience, and a wedding is a sacred thing to me and my faith to Jesus. I hope you understand. Um, and then your heart say, if I'm, if I'm fired, I'm fired. If I'm sued, I'm sued. Um, and I think that's a very honorable thing to do. Um, I don't think scripturally that's the only thing we can do. But I think that's a very honorable thing to do. If you say, this is just where I'm going to, put a foot in the ground between my faith and conscience um, and what you're asking me to do. Um, and I think uh, people have done that, and there's times that they've been protected, and there's times that they're out of business now, and they've been sued, um, and they've got all these bills, and you can just kind of, I just, one popped up on my feed this morning, wasn't even looking for it, or last night, and it was a bakery in Oregon that went out of business a couple of years ago because they refused to make a cake and had to shut down their business because anytime someone came in and asked for a cake that they refused, uh, they were functioning at, as an illegal business in the eyes um, of Oregon. So their, um, their family business was, was shut down. Um, and I don't know all the ins and outs of it, so I don't want to use it as an example beyond just that's a reality that happens. And so, so I think it's honorable to say, I'm just going to put my foot in the ground. I'm not going to do it, and I hope that you understand that, and I hope that you see that I'm, I'm still honoring and loving you in it, but I can't, I can't cross that line um, with my conscience. Um, or, I think, scripturally permissible, um, you could just say that that weekend won't work for me. Um, or I'm b- busy, I can't do it. Um, and your calendar may be open at that point, and you say, i I got to do something to be busy. Um, it could feel funny, um, and and if that bruises your conscience, then I don't think you should do it. Um, but I think scripturally, you, you could make a case that says, um, there's a precedent I don't want to set, and it's, it's legitimate to protect innocence from a clear threat um, if I think there's a, a legit attack happening here that says they're just going to ask this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's businesses that were targeted and just said, I'm just going to find it and see and, and push their buttons here. Um, and if they say that, I'm going to shut them down. Um, and, and, and your kids can depend on that. Your family can depend on it. Your job can depend on it. Um, other Christians working in these industries can depend on it. Um, and so... Uh, so I don't want to say it's absolutely right, um, but I think there's a tension there to wrestle with, and there could be a case to say, um, just to say, um, I can't bit, I can't do it. You don't need to explain that it's a, a conscience reason you can't do it. It could be you're busy that weekend, or you say, I only do a certain amount of weddings a year, 
Um, and, um, and that's just kind of more than I've, I've asked for. I've already set the, the weekends. Um, I think there's a case that uh, arguments like that can be made. Um, other, other examples you could say of, um, I think, God-honoring righteous deception would be the, the Planned Parenthood videos. Um, so going undercover to expose a great, great evil um, in the world of, of how that company was being run and how that, and I think they probably got sued and they probably lost their case. Um, but I think to say, I'm going to conceive them and pretend that I'm a client and not a Christian um, to expose this great evil to stop it, um, I think can be a righteous thing. Uh, I can't remember the full context, but uh, the movie Amazing Grace and William Wilberforce, um, I don't know if the movie is accurate to everything that happened, but I think there was also a good example of what it means to be shrewd. Um, they, fi- they found kind of in the movie this bill that had something to do with like, way- like having flags on your ships in certain areas in the sea, um, and they presented kind of this really boring, uh, in the movie at least, really boring bill, um, and they kind of brought it on when, when most people were out of town, um, for the vote, and they'd just be able to get a certain quorum, and it just seemed like there was nothing uh, to it. But kind of the trickle-down of the um, effect of the bill is it put a huge stumbling block in the way of the slave trade, um, or might have stopped it altogether. Um, and I wish I remembered the illustration more than I do, um, but I think there was, there was shrewdness there. There's a great evil that we're presenting, we're trying to, um, trying to stop. And they did, it, they did it legally, but they did it in prudence, in wisdom, in... in uh, shrewdness a little bit to, to, to prevent a great evil um, that, w- that was happening. Um, maybe one that could happen in the future would be um, all the screenings that they're doing on babies. and They can screen and see if there's chromosomal issues. Um, and, I mean, we just had a baby, and the doctor's like, yeah, we do this at certain whatever, and, you know, and it's just general in their language. And it's like, and then a lot of families can make a decision from there and... Um, what they want to do and, you know, being like, would you, would you abort? Because there's an abnormality. Um, and, and what if we got to the point where they said these res- screenings are required um, and it's required to abort because that's what's good for society. Um, I think at that point to, to lie about being pregnant, to illegally not go to those screenings to protect the innocent life you have would be an honoring thing in God's eyes, and not, uh, well, you, you broke this command, but you had a greater one. I think you would say that was a pure righteous action um, because you protected the innocent, um, and you witnessed to the truth, and you resisted um, evil. And so hopefully some of those examples uh, help you become a little bit more practical um, rather than just uh, Nazis and Jews um, back in the day. But I think that's, I think that's why it's important um, to, be, to function wise, um, in the world. So, uh, important question in here is, is where do we draw the line in being consciously opposed? And so it's kind of like, um, whatever my action is going to be, when do I know to, to draw the line and, and think about what my action is going to be? Um, and I think one, uh, a couple different paradigms, but one simple way to maybe think it through is, is are you being asked or required, uh, to participate in something that's false? Um, so there's a difference in being around something and participating in something. Um, and so if we go back to you know sexual identity uh, type stuff, so the, a birthday party versus a wedding is is a far different thing. Um, and so you have a homosexual friend that's throwing a birthday party, and they're inviting you to their wedding. What do you do? Um, and I would say the birthday party, man, you go. Like 
They're your friend. You be there to be among those things is what Jesus did all the time. Um, he was he was in the world, but not of the world. Um, and there's nothing there that you're participating in and celebrating that's false outside of just honoring them for the the person that they are and the way that God's created them um, and that they're your friend. And so uh, embrace those things. Be in the world. Um, be around those things. But where I think participation comes into line, at least my conviction would be, um, is a wedding. Um, I've wrestled through going or not. What does it say about the relationship? What does it say? But um, I think the idea of a wedding is all those that are there are witnessing to what's happening, um, and it's a worship service. Um, and so at least my personal conviction would be to go at that point is to participate in what's false. Um, and that's where I draw the line and say, I'm participating in something that's false. I'm not just around um, sin, because we're always around sin, but I'm, I'm participating in it. I'm witnessing to something that I, I don't want to witness to. Um, and I think that's why for doing photography for it or doing the cake for it, um, there's probably a point where it's like, well, um, I don't know, they bought a shirt from my store, or is that, you know, <laughs> whatever, participating. And so, but thinking that, if I'm being called to participate in something that's false, I think that should go against our conscience. And to, to tell the story as a photographer of something that you'd say, this, this is false and wicked in God's eyes, is going too far. Um, or, or to stand in or to do or to, to be at because you're called as, as witnesses. At least I've done a wedding and the, the way I communicate it is the people next to you are witnessing and the congregation is witnessing to what's about to happen. And they're um, affirming it. And so I think one way to draw the line of am I among these things or um, crossing maybe what God would call me to is, is the idea of, of participation and wrestling through um, how you would think that's true. Because we're called to be in the world. He said, I don't want you out of the world. I want you in the world, um, but kept from the evil one. Um, and so, so the other one I already mentioned would be um, we're just called to witness to what is true and not what is false. And so if you feel like you're in the actions, you're witnessing to something that, that, that you don't believe and breaks God's heart, um, I think that's a point that uh, your conscience should, should prick up and say, I can't, I can't do that. I can't cross that line. Lord, give me wisdom um, as I navigate through this, um, as, I, as I work through it. Um, and so um, at the end of the day in these, we want to say we must, we must obey God, not man. Um, and, and, and so we want to, to want to rest there and be... Like the examples of David, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all the ones in the Bible that say, um, at the end of the day, this is my home. I trust you, Lord, um, and there's nothing they can take from me that will ultimately harm me. I'd, I'd rather uh, lose it all and not be ashamed of you than to be ashamed of you and um, truly lose it all that, that matters. Um, and so, uh, so, so I think those are a couple examples there and by, by way of maybe... A distinction of, of, of where do we start thinking about these lines because um, we don't want to we can't just avoid everything I don't think God calls us to I mean any company you work for if you look into it they might have donated money to something that you don't approve of or your or your boss that you um, has a lifestyle you don't don't approve of or, or does this or does that and so the Lord's not calling us to to try and become a little purest thing out here because we'd have to avoid ourselves because we're not pure um, but he's saying you bear witness to what is true. Be among these things, but bear witness to what is true. Do not participate um, 
and what is false. Um, and, and maybe that analogy is, I mean, it's real to you guys. Maybe it's a family member. I mean, that's, that's the conversations I've had with a friend of it's a, it's a cousin. Um, and, and what do I do in this situation? And really saying, I want to, I want to love them well. They're going to feel hurt by that. They're going to feel like it's a little thing that would say, because of your so-called faith and your conscience, you wouldn't come, but I'm a, a family member. Um, and so they're, they're tough decisions um, we make, and we want God's help um, walking through them. Um, but also thinking, no matter what pressure you bring, if I don't think it's, it's good for my conscience and I think it's against God, um, I'm not going to bow to your idol. Um, if you're like, I'm going to cut you off from the family, I'm never going to talk to you again, um, it's clear that it's an idol, and they're saying, bow to my idol of participating in this and pretending that you are a part of it. Um, and, and we don't do that. We don't worship idols. We worship God, um, and we love his truth. Um, so hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. Um, so if you remember I said at the beginning, um, my goal in this uh, is to help you guys guys stay in the world and stay in relationships and love people well. These things can make it sound like all of our life is us versus them um, as enemies, and we just kind of do what we do to survive. Um, and all of the idea of, of wisdom and shrewdness here is, I think, is to, to pursue and stay in relationships with people. Um, that's why you sneak Bibles across borders, because you're loving people that are there. Um, that's why... Uh, missionaries don't just show up and say, yep, I'm a Christian here, this is what I'm selling. Is it okay if I'm here? Um, but they say, there's innocent people that are dying um, and need to get there. So I think these things matter and aren't, shouldn't be a, a separating uh, from the world and the lost, but engaging um, with them. So last, I just want to walk through um, a few ways of what maybe what would be some practicals. Um, there's many more to this, but just kind of ways to like stir and think through. Um, how do we apply this? So we're functioning wisely in the world and, and innocent. I've been trying to hold both of those. Um, well, well, they all come in together. Um, let's see here. Boom. We'll all walk through them together. So the first one would be, I think, ways to be prudent. Be prepared. Um, so it may be your resume. You may be in a major and, and get hired in a job that you know the culture is, is very hostile to Christianity. Um, and so you might not want to put, I went on a Christian Bible summer program. What do you guys think about that? I'm excited to like share my faith at work. Um, you might want to say, I went on a leadership project. And here's the things I like, learned. The wording there can be a shrewd way that's not saying, um, um, I'm denying my faith. Um, I'm saying I'm, I'm functioning in wisdom here. I'm not coming in 100 miles an hour, so they're just going to pass, pass me by. But I, I, want, I want to be in that culture, engage in that culture, and testify to truth. And so an example of just that, how, how certain things are worded on your, on your resume, may, or maybe prepped, how, how do you answer questions about what's important to you? And if you, if you say faith, if you say um, um, spirituality, how you navigate uh, through some of those things. So that'd be this kind of second part of being uh, prepared is just thinking through, man, what are the common things that I'm probably going to run into and, and how, how would I respond to that moment? Um, how would I explain to people uh, what I believe? How would I handle it uh, softly but um, not in a way that's denying my Savior? And so, so thinking through those things or asking people um, how, how they've handled those things, how they've tried to 
respond with a, a soft but accurate answer. Um, so just being prepared or putting in forethought that uh, those things may um, arise. Uh, two, be pro- proactive in loving them. Really want to harp on we're loving them. We seek to love them. And so uh, one way to just love your business, be a great employee um, and witness through contributing to your company, being a good neighbor, being a good friend. Um, engage there and, and add value uh, to the com- company so you're enjoyable to be around. Even if they've heard that you're a Christian and they already are negative against you, um, love them well. Be a good uh, employee and contribute to what you're doing, what you're supposed to do, and do it um, excellently. Uh, serve them. Get to know them. And so, um, so if the person that a lifestyle very contrary to yours um, and would go against biblical scripture, uh, serve that person. Get to know them. Engage them especially. Um, love them all the more. Honor the con- common grace in their life. And so if they're good at what they do, compliment them. If there's things that you can learn from them, learn from them. If you're encouraged by them, be, uh, share that with them. Um, befriend, love, care for, be thankful for them. Um, see just the common grace and the dignity that God has in their life. Um, and and be quick and eager to, to encourage those things and bridge and build the gap. Um, there. Uh, four, just reminding that uh, rejecting to bow to their idols uh, is loving them because you're, you're testifying to what's real um, and what's true. Um, and maybe the Lord would save them and be thankful for that. Um, I know uh, a person that was, was dating someone, they were Christian and non-Christian, um, and they were really wrestling through it because they're like, this is not a good uh, relationship for you to be in, um, but, but it's tough because in, in, enjoy the relationship. Um, and, and through that process of dating, um, the guy who was an unbeliever became a believer. Um, and the very first thing that happened after that is he says, I'm actually kind of concerned about your faith because you were dating me. Um, and um, I think that was a very convicting thing for her. And one of the things is that the Lord kind of drew her back and they're doing great, um, both walking with God. But, um, but even there, he's like, I'm kind of concerned that you didn't, hold true to what you you said. You didn't testify for the truth. And so maybe there would be examples in God's grace that say, um, I know your faith matters because you you stood on it rather than just collapsing at every way down the road um, all for the sake of maybe building a relationship, but you've collapsed at everything, that there's there's no faith left to share. There's no substance that looks any different. And so would God be gracious to... um, when stands happen to be to received well and to testify to his love well, um, even if it doesn't go well. Um, and, uh, and then in some of these examples, acting shrewdly is preventing them from, from doing evil um, and hopefully preventing them from uh, regret. And maybe God would use that to call them uh, to, to himself as well. And so those would be examples of just be, be proactive in, in loving them. Um, and engage that person. That's why you're there. Um, uh, three, defer certain topics in wisdom. And so, uh, so just, you know, day one, you don't need to, to get into everything. Um, or talk about, you know, politics is going to be a, a hot topic. Or, or I'm a Christian and here's what I think. And, and there's one truth and there's, um, there's a time and place for those things. But wisdom as relationships um, progress. Wisdom as stuff's appropriate in the workplace or in the lunchroom or post-work. Um, using wisdom there and not coming in. Um, just, I know what I believe, I don't care, and the, the Lord calls us to be more prudent on um, that. So deferring certain things to, to different times. Um, 
And uh, four, the last one, maybe diffusing situations that might become hostile. And so, again, I think prudence is just a, a soft word that kind of turns away wrath or um, making something not any bigger of a deal than it has to be. Um, so, so one example is at our church, there's, I heard this story um, kind of through the grapevine, but he, he started a, a coffee shop. Um, so one of the things that he was thinking through and being prepared was, you know, this is Minneapolis, um, and there's a large LTB, LGTBQ community here, um, and, and coffee shops is a popular place for them, and, and to a degree, it kind of feels like that's where they, they stake their flag. Um, and so, so there's um, Lavender, it's a magazine um, that, uh, that is in the city, and it's almost in every, you know, restaurant, coffee shop, and so he's like, so what do I, how do I think through if they come? and say, hey, we want to put this magazine in your coffee shop. Um, would, would God be pleased with that, displeased with that? How would I respond to that? Do I just say um, no um, and come what may? Um, or, do I, you know, or do I beforehand say, you know, we've got a couple magazines, but we just talked as management and we said we, just only, we only want to have these two. Um, or we, just, we don't really want any magazines. And, and there's a way they can say, there's, there's tension here. You just downplay it. You almost play that it's uh, kind of ignorant to the fact that it's a, a big deal, deal there and just say, no, that's okay, we're not going to do it, and you, and you move on. Um, I think wisdom and even trying to diffuse or downplay, um, rather than maybe being aggressive and saying, you know, I'm a Christian and I don't want any of that junk in here, you know, um, that would not be wisdom, that would not be gracious, that would not be uh, loving. And so prudence, shrewdness in that moment could be how do I – how do I softly handle these things? Or how do I be prepared and just say, I have, I have a standard in place um, that's clear, that I can land on, um, that can help you know, d- diffuse situations like that that would be um, hostile. So I think that was uh, a good example of just being um, proactive uh, in that point. And so, um, so that's kind of where I'll end. And kind of just summarizing all this, some of those may not feel very right at home now. Um, but, but I think if we're living as Christians rightly, we're going to be in more of those situations. Um, and I think, like I said, it does, it, it transfers in how, how missions tries to get to the world. It transfers in how you engage Minneapolis, Indianapolis, where you work. Um, and it transfers a degree to how you engage someone, someone in the dorms. That's so different. How, how do I love them and disagree with them? Um, how do I make the main things the main things and not get caught in all these tertiary uh, conversations and issues that they, that they uh, assume I believe, they assume I hate this, they assume I think myself greater than them? And how do I, in wisdom, in prudence, in shrewdness, uh, get, get to Jesus, um, get to their heart, get to longing? And so I think these things do, in a framework that might feel a little extreme and a little broader than where you're at, um, I think those things come, come to home, and may God give us um, wisdom uh, as we walk through those things and as we wrestle through uh, the tension that's happening here. It's not, it's not clear how to respond in moments and trusting God to help us and guide us um, as we walk through that. So I'm just going to pray for us, and then uh, we can be done. Um, Lord, would you help us? Uh, I do want us to be... Uh, wise in our dealings and and pure and innocent um, in our dealings and and just and to um, love mercy and love truth and um, hate evil and hate 
darkness, Lord. And so would you um, give us help, Lord? Would you help us to, to navigate these things well so that we may shine like a light in, in dark places and, and be uh, in the world and not um, of the world and not kicked out of the world? Um, and uh, I didn't even mention the scripture, but there's a parable about a dishonest manager. Um, and yet uh, the master commends him for his shrewdness um, and says, for the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Um, and so I, I don't want that to be true of us, Lord. I want us to um, deal with this generation wisely, purely, and, and shrewdly that we may have the greatest impact um, for your kingdom, Lord. So would you uh, give us that wisdom um, as, we, as we walk through these things and live in them now or step into them in the future? So ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.